Welcome to the Drive Deeper Podcast, where we gather together on your morning commute to dive deeper into the scripture and give you a word to meditate on the rest of the day so that you can walk closely with the Lord during your busy week. Today for our study, we're going to be looking at the end of chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Mark. And so what we're talking about today is trusting in the one who can do what no one else can. Jesus is more powerful. He's stronger. He's greater than anyone else. And he's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the King of the kingdom of God. And therefore, we can place our trust in him because of what he is able to do. So this is our first point. Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He's the King of the kingdom of God. And therefore, as we see in this passage, he has authority over nature. He has authority over the demonic realm. He has authority over disease. He has authority over death. And we've already seen in chapter 2 of Mark that he has authority to forgive sin. This is the one that we want to trust in. And so if we know that Jesus is this person, if he is this incredible, this great, this mighty, then we should have a proper fear of him and should fear him rather than the situation that we're in. This is what the disciples have to learn when they are out on the sea. This is what we're meant to learn as we look through these accounts. And so, Let's look and see point two, the one who does what no one else can do. In each instance, Mark describes the situation that the people are in or reflects on it through the words of others to show that Jesus is doing something beyond what all other people are able to do. So the first one is stilling the waves in the wind. The disciples go on the boat with Jesus. They're out in the middle of the sea, and it says this, verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I love that. Isn't that interesting? This mighty storm is crushing this boat, and Jesus is asleep on the cushion. Maybe you've felt like that when you're going through a storm in your life. It feels like God is sleeping because he isn't responding, right? Awake, arise, come to my rescue. This is what the psalmist will say time and time again. And yet we see that even though Jesus is asleep, he is still in control. Look at what the next verses say. After they wake him up and question whether he cares if they're about to die, it says, verse 39, he awoke And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So that's the question. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now let's pause there and exit this narrative and go to what our key verse is for today. Near the end of chapter 5, after Jairus learns that his daughter is dead, Jesus says this. He says, do not fear, only believe. So 
from the example of Jairus, we're meant to follow his example. From the account of the disciples, we're supposed to see what we're not meant to do. Okay, so let's go back to the narrative of the wind and the waves. So how did the disciples respond? Well, we see in verse 41, it says this, And they were filled with a great fear, or they feared a great fear, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm sure you don't know anybody in your life who has the power to command the wind and the waves. They go out to Lake Michigan or the Pacific Ocean and they say something to the sea and it changes or it's really windy out and, you know, they're having a barbecue in their backyard. They can't light the grill and they say, okay, wind, chill out. And then it does. So as disciples go from being fearful of the wind and the waves because they fear for their lives to fearing a great fear and saying, who is this man? We thought we understood him, but wow, even the wind and the waves obey his voice. His voice has authority even over nature. So we see that Jesus can do what no other person can do. His words have the authority to command nature. In the next passage, we see that after they get to the other side of the sea, a demon-possessed man immediately sprints up to Jesus, bows down before him, and pleads that Jesus not torment him. You think, wow, that's incredible authority too, right? Now look at the way that, that Mark describes this man. Verse 3, he lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces and no one had the strength to subdue him. So this is how powerful this demon-possessed man is because of the spirits that are within him. Later in the passage, we learn that this man has a legion of demons within him. We don't know how many, but a legion Im implies probably thousands of demons that are within this man. And this man, who no human was strong enough to bind, even with chains, comes before Jesus, bows down before him, and begs that he not destroy him. Because he understands how much more powerful Jesus is than he is. That's incredible. So we see that this is the response of the demons to Jesus because they understand that he is able to do what no one else can do. His voice commands with entire authority all of the demonic realm. And this includes Satan as well. In the next instance, Jairus approaches Jesus and he is a ruler of the synagogue. And if you have been reading through Mark, you know that Jesus has not had great encounters with the scribes and the Pharisees who were the leaders and the teachers at these synagogues, right? So Jairus comes before Jesus. And what does it say? It says, seeing him, seeing Jesus at the end of verse 22, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be 
made well and live. And he went with him. So Jairus, the synagogue official, comes before Jesus. Why? Because he recognizes his authority. Even though many of the other teachers, scribes, Pharisees at the synagogue have entirely rejected Jesus, Jairus has seen what he is able to do in his healings and his exorcisms. And he knows if anybody is able to heal my daughter, it's Jesus. So he humbly comes before him, bows down and begs that Jesus would heal his daughter. Look at how the response of this man in comparison to the demon possessed man is almost identical. He runs before him, he bows down before him, and he begs him to do or to not do something. It's amazing. So Jesus follows him. He begins to go to his house. And in the middle of this passage, we're interrupted by our last display of Jesus' authority, which comes through this woman who has had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, we don't know exactly what this was, but can you imagine what a struggle this would be to have a disease that made you bleed constantly for 12 years? And then Mark says this, she had suffered much under many physicians, verse 26, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but only grew worse. Implication, over 12 years, no matter how many experts, no matter how many doctors she went to, no one was powerful enough to heal her. Nobody could do anything for her. She spent all that she had, and she ended up in a worse position than when she started. She only continued to get worse. And when she hears what Jesus is able to do, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment because she believed so intently upon the authority of Jesus based on who he is as the king of the kingdom of God, the coming Messiah, that she says he's so powerful that if I even touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. And she does as she believes and in an instant, immediately her body is healed. She is healed by the one who is able to do what no man is able to do. Over 12 years, she has searched for healing, for somebody to, to breathe life into her broken body, and no one is able to, but in an instant, Jesus does. When this happens, Jesus feels power exit his body. Jesus was perceptive to this. When the spirit worked, he knew it. And the spirit worked a miracle through him and he knows it. So he searches for this woman and she comes before him, bows down in fear and trembling and tells him all that has happened. And Jesus says this, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So he shares with her and to all the other people who are listening that because this woman, this daughter had faith in me, she is healed. She received what she believed I could do because she didn't doubt me. She came to me understanding my authority and believing that I would give her what she needed. And then verse 35 says this, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. 
Why trouble the teacher any further? You know, we've heard that Jesus is able to heal the sick and cast out demons, but don't bother him any longer because who can raise the dead? Not even the teacher and the miracle worker can do this, right? Because no man is able to do this. But what does Jesus say in response to this? Verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. So this woman in God's sovereign timing functions as an example that is meant to instill faith and confidence in Jairus's heart that Jesus is still able to do what no other person can do. He says, you had faith that I could heal her while she was alive. Continue to have faith that I can even heal her when she is dead by bringing her back to life. And so they continue on to his house in that he places his trust in Jesus because if he didn't believe Jesus could do it, he would have said, no, rabbi, no teacher, she's gone. There's nothing else that anybody can do. But he places his faith in Jesus and says, come on, teacher, let's continue to go. You're still welcome at my house. Come and do what you say you're able to do. I believe And what happens. Jesus comes in the door. He escorts out all of the mourners and weepers and the people that have come to to grieve the loss of this child. And in verse 41, it says, Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. So in this last instance, we see once again that Jesus is able to do what no one else can. He even has authority over death. At the sound of his voice, the dead raise when they are called back to life. This is how powerful Jesus is. This is the authority that he has, that his word has, that when he speaks, it always happens. So as a final point of reflection, trust him. Do not fear. He is more powerful than whatever you are going through. He is greater than whatever obstacle that stands in front of you. Your Lord, your King, your Master, your Savior is with you each step of the way. And Jesus calls us to trust in him. The things that we go through in this world can invoke so much fear in our hearts, especially if we are functionally going through them on our own. But when our eyes are fixed upon the Savior and trusting in him and his power and his authority, we have nothing to fear. For God is not sleeping, he is in control, and he will not leave us on our own. So no matter what you're going through today, no matter what obstacles you're walking through or what storm you're going through in your life, fix your eyes upon the Savior and do not fear. Because he is in control and he is worthy of your trust.